ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارham ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد when we look at the history of mankind when we look at the the names of so many different people that we've all come to learn about over the course of history until now there are specific names that jump out of the page much more so than other names historically speaking across the board and some of these names even if someone is coming from one background or another there still has to be an acknowledgement a recognition and then appreciation for these specific names and in reality it's undeniable if you look at the example of prophet ibrahim alayhi salam you find in surah al-shu'ara you find him asking allah to give him a good reputation with those to come after him he's asking allah for the love to have a good to have good standing with those to come to come after him and th- this is within the the part of surah al-shu'ara he asks allah for this he also asks allah to not disgrace him wala tukhzini yawma yub'athun yawma la yanfa'u malun wala banun illa man ata allah biqalbin salim it's within this passage that he asks allah for this and you look at what happened after him look at the ripple effect and this is what happens when you're that close to allah you mention a dua that's a few words and then it ends up impacting billions of people after your time because of the proximity because when you're khalilullah things are different and unique in amazing ways so this is khalilullah this is prophet ibrahim alayhi salam and look at what happened after him after his time the jews loved him and they love him until now the christians loved him and they love him until now the muslims loved him and they and we love him until now alayhi salam You even had the pagan Arabs at the time of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam claiming Prophet Ibrahim being proud that their ancestor was Prophet Ibrahim alaihi salam. So he actually ended up being loved by very diverse groups of people. There are similarities but also significant differences. Look at the example of Prophet Musa alaihi salam. Wa kallama Allahu Musa taklima. Prophet Ibrahim was known as Khalilullah. Prophet Musa alayhi salam was known as Kalimullah the one who Allah spoke to he had this amazing honor think of the status of these people think of the maqam of these people their standing their status with people is one thing with humankind is one thing and it is something to be appreciated but what's more important is their standing with Allah azza wa jal think of their maqam with Allah azza wa jal Allah says that he took Ibrahim alayhi salam as a khalil وَاتَّخَذَ اللَّهُ إِبْرَاهِيمَ خَلِيلًا And something lost in translation, if you look at the, the actual ayah itself, 
you find Allah's name directly next to Ibrahim's name, Sayyidina Ibrahim's name alayhi salam. وَاتَّخَذَ اللَّهُ إِبْرَاهِيمَ Khalila. Even their name, it's something very subtle but still beautiful when you think about it. Even their names are right next to each other. Allah says that He took Ibrahim alayhi salam as a Khalil, as an intimate companion, as someone who's the closest of friends. Khalil is not the same as someone you happen to work with, someone who's, you know, you happen to be classmates with, someone you're co- your colleagues with. Khalil is far, far more intimate and close than that. Allah says that he took Ibrahim alayhi salam as his Khalil. Allah says that he spoke to Prophet Musa alayhi salam. Allahu Musa taklima. Prophet Musa is known as Kalimullah. But what is our Prophet known as sallallahu alayhi wasallam? Habibullah. The beloved of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The beloved of Allah, this one who, who, who Allah had this special love for. As high as the status of each of these people are, these are, these are just some examples. Right? There are many other examples. I want to touch upon two specifically. One of them is from the three names that I mentioned. And there's another, uh, another person, another name I have yet to mention. I'll get to it in a moment, inshallah. If you look through their stories and others, in the Qur'an especially, you notice a trend, you notice something. For one, there were definitely many, many challenges. Think of Prophet Ibrahim as a young man, the age of your average high school student, choosing that I'm not just going to go with what my people are doing if what they're doing is wrong. I'm going to stand up for what I believe in and I'm going to follow what's right. It doesn't make sense to me logically to worship idols, and it doesn't make sense to me theologically to worship idols. It just doesn't make sense to me. So he, he carved out a different path for himself. And there was a ton of resistance. Again, imagine if you have a, a son or a daughter in high school as a teenager. Imagine them being in this situation and the, the, the weight of this mountainous challenge. That title of Khalilullah, it's not free. It has to be earned with a ton of effort and sacrifice. All of us have been reminded time and time again, especially recently due to Hajj season, about one of the sacrifices of Prophet Ibrahim But you have many, many, many sacrifices. And Allah mentions this in Surah Al-Baqarah. That he was tested time and time and time again until he got this promotion. He, he got this raise in status in which Allah tells him that you are an imam for mankind. And what was the response of Prophet Ibrahim? What is a, a fitting response for Khalilullah, this Imam of mankind? What about my kids and their kids and their kids and their kids? Leadership has to be tied in with a deep care for coming generations with one S at the end and two S's and three, four, five S's. Because we have to think long term. Prophet Ibrahim, before he's launched into this fire, literally, literally catapulted into this massive fire, what did he do? He turned to Allah. Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. Allah is sufficient for us. He's the best one to help me in my situation. Subhanallah. He put forth amazing effort. He made this amazing dua. And look at the amazing ways in which Allah helped him. Allah didn't just make the fire cool for him. Allah also made it peaceful. It would have been enough for it to be cool. The fire is hot. Your life is at stake. For Allah to make it cool, is it, that would be enough, you would think. But this is Allah's generosity coming through in the clutch, you could say. 
Because Prophet Ibrahim put in so much work before this, so much time and effort before this, when things got really difficult, Imagine the taqwa of Prophet Ibrahim So you find the effort, the sacrifice, you find the dua, and you find Allah helping him. You find Prophet Musa Again, we find this in Surah Al-Shu'ara. He gets to the point where imagine this huge body of water on one side, and he has his nation with him, thousands upon thousands of people. There's this body of water on one side, and then there's Fir'aun and his army. Think of who Fir'aun is and think of who his army is. They're well aware this specific population of the lowest class of that society, Bani Israel, at that time, the, 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 the bluest of the blue-collar workers in the, in the worst form of slavery, they're very aware of the pain and trauma that Fir'aun has caused them and will cause them if he catches up to them. And all of a sudden, Fir'aun, he's within, he's within vision. right? He, they, he's within eyesight. Now they could see him. There's this body of water on one side. Where are you going to go? You can't go anywhere. There's this massive body of water. And then you have, of all people, none other than Fir'aun and his army. Allah says that Fir'aun and his people, especially regarding his army, they're going to face the worst of punishment in the hereafter. So th- think of how freaked out they are, understandably, in that situation. You have the body of water here. You have Fir'aun and his army here. It seems like an absolutely impossible situation. And a person may think, but Prophet Musa is Kalimullah. This is a special person. Of course, he never went through challenges. The Prophet taught us the opposite, that those who went through the most difficult challenges were the Prophets and then those next in rank and those next in rank. Challenges could be struggling with people like Fir'aun and challenges could also be having kingdom like Prophet Sulaiman, but struggling with it for the sake of Allah to use it in positive ways. Both are tests, but in their own unique ways. So someone may assume Prophet Musa, because of his status, he must have never faced challenges. Look at the difficult, the steep challenges that he faced one after another. They're in this difficult situation. You have the body of water, you have Fir'aun and his army. And some people close to Prophet Musa what do they mention to him? Now these weren't people on the fringes, these were people who were close to him. قَالَ أَصْحَابُ مُوسَى إِنَّا لَمُدْرَكُونَ Some people close to Prophet Musa, they told him that, like, we're done for. Like there's no hope for us, our situation is completely hopeless. Because they're looking at the situation with the eyes of a human being. What would the eyes of a human being see? It's impossible this way, it's impossible that way, we're doomed. Either we go that way and we drown, or Fir'aun catches up to us and we're slaughtered. What was the response of Kalimullah What was the response of Prophet Musa when he, he, don't think he wasn't a human being, he definitely was. Look at Surah Taha, Allah is telling Prophet Musa, why did Allah reassure him and tell him, don't feel afraid before the duel with the magicians? I think we're aware of that story by now. What, why did Allah tell him, don't feel afraid? You have the upper hand. You're going to end up on top. Allah told him, don't feel afraid because he felt afraid. And that's explicitly mentioned in that same part of that same surah. He felt afraid. So Allah reassured him, don't feel afraid. You're going to be okay. Prophet Musa responds in this situation, the body of water is here, Fir'aun and his army are here, it looks like an impossible situation. What did he say? And to make it more difficult, to add more to the pressure, some people close to him, ideally they would say like, you know, 
because they had already seen the nine miracles prior, you know, several miracles prior to this in Egypt. Ideally, there'd be some kind of positive social support. That would make a huge difference. But even people close to him said, like, there's no hope in our situation. How did he respond to his salam? He said, no. Wallahi, no. I swear by Allah, no. There's no way. I definitely don't agree with what you're saying. Kella. Like whatever you're saying is coming to a full stop right now. Kella. There is no doubt my Lord is with me. He's going to guide us through this situation. But what did he do? And this is really the crux of what I want to get to. I want to, to, to press this button specifically. And that's why I want I, the buildup all goes to this point. What did he do in that situation? As amazing as he was, as high as his status was, as as incredible as his situation must have been with Allah Azza wa Jal, even then Allah commanded him to do something. Because we always have to do our part as best we can within our capacity. We always have to do our part. If someone is struggling, a lot of people are struggling with a lot of different things these days. We ask Allah to relieve all of us of all of our struggles and to turn our hardships into ease, just like Allah turned these different hardships into ease. For Prophet Ibrahim salam, Allah turned that hardship into ease. Allah made that fire cool and peaceful for him. Prophet Musa salam, it looked like an impossible situation. Even then he had to do his part. Allah commanded him to, to hit the water with his staff. It's very symbolic. You, you have to do your part even if it's something. Just do something within your capacity. Whatever is within your power, just start there. Just do something. If your capacity is to plant one acorn, then plant one acorn and don't worry about the other hundred that you may not have access to to plant. And if you did, you would, but you don't, so you can't. So plant one. Just do something. The Prophet taught us even if the hour, even if Yawm Al-Qiyamah is right around the corner, it's about to happen. And you have a sapling in your hand. The Prophet was talking about going green centuries ago. And look at the environment now, subhanAllah, as we get ever closer to the end of times. What did he say? Even if you have that sapling in your hand and the hour is right around the corner, plant it anyways. Just keep doing good. So long as you're alive, keep doing khair, keep doing good. Keep doing what you can, whatever is within your capacity. Just do something. Prophet Musa salam, he did his part and as a result of doing that part, of doing what he could within his capacity, listening to Allah Azza wa Jal, following his command. We know the rest of the story. Allah caused the water to part. Not only did the water part, Allah also made the ground dry for them so they could walk. Otherwise it would have been extremely muddy. How, how can you traverse that path? You can't. Allah parted the water and Allah made the ground dry, and they passed through to the other side, and they made it safely to the other side. And on top of that, talk about closure, Allah drowned Fir'aun and his oppressive army, which was wreaking havoc on their lives in every way for many, many, many decades up until that point. Think of how many innocent thousands of babies he had slaughtered just because he was worried that one of them may take his kingdom from him. He thought he could outsmart God's plan, but then lo and behold, look at what, what, what ends up happening. It looked like it was impossibly difficult, but they make it through to the other side. And on top of that, Allah caused the water to come back together and it ended up drowning Fir'aun and his army. What's the, what's the, the crux of, of, of this story that I, that I really want to highlight? He still had to do his part, alayhi salam. 
Prophet Ibrahim still had to do his part Prophet Muhammad still had to do his part Every step of the way in their stories, in their biographies in, You look at the, the stories of the Prophets, you find this constant theme you find this constant theme of doing their part, doing their part, doing their part. In the second half of the khutbah, I'll briefly touch upon the second of the two examples. The first one that I specifically wanted to mention was Prophet Musa, and I'll mention the second one in a few moments. The first of the two examples that I specifically wanted to touch upon Prophet Musa, as amazing as Prophet Musa was, there's no doubt he had complete tawakkul in Allah Azza wa complete trust in Allah. Trusting Allah is not a substitute for doing your part. Doing your part is an essential ingredient of tawakkul. They're actually merged together, they're interwoven, they're not separate. You don't trust Allah and not do your part. Classic example at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, when the man asked the Prophet, should I just leave my camel or should I tie it and then trust? Should I leave it and trust Allah or tie my camel and trust Allah? And the Prophet said, what? We all know the, sto- we all know the story. Tie your camel. And then trust Allah. We always have to tie our camel. We always have to do our part. Look at Prophet Musa salam. Think of his maqam. Think of his status. Think of the status of his dua. When he asks Allah, until the end of that. He's asking Allah for huge things. Allah just told him, go to Fir'aun. He's really messed up. You need to go put him in his place. So he responds by asking Allah for huge things, expand my chest and remove the knot from my tongue, and big things. And at the end of it, what did Allah say? Allah granted him his, his du'as. That was not an excuse to not take action. He would always take his action. To conclude, the second example, Sayyidah Maryam salam. Think of her situation. She's pregnant. She's delivering her child by herself. By herself, she delivers her child even then in her extremely difficult circumstances and situation. No one would say she didn't have tawakkul in Allah. Of course she had absolute tawakkul in Allah. And what's a key ingredient? Even then, Allah tells her to shake the palm tree. She could bear, She just gave birth to a child by herself. Think of the pain and the difference.